Welcome to episode number 51 of Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you launch and grow a business and navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm Justin Gordon, your host, and in this episode, we have Justine Reichman, who is the founder of Next Gen Chef, a San Francisco-based culinary platform that allows foodpreneurs to sandbox their ideas, connect with advisors who provide expert advice and support, and enable them to essentially take their idea from concept to product. And Next Gen Chef specifically targets aspiring food chefs and entrepreneurs who want to create local, affordable, and regenerative food businesses. They partner with collaborative kitchens, allowing foodpreneurs to test their ideas and get their businesses off the ground. In this episode, Justine goes through the launch and growth of the business, what their platform entails, some of the resources they provide to aspiring food entrepreneurs, all of that. And Next Gen Chef, which you can find at nextgenchef.com, also has a summit coming up in May of 2019. For anyone who wants to open a food business, they should definitely attend. As always, the show notes are at justgogrind.com slash podcast. And if you head over to iTunes or Apple Podcasts, you can subscribe there, leaving rating and review. Just Go Grind can also be found on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, basically every podcasting platform. Without further ado, here is Justine Reichman from Next Gen Chef. Justine, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Justin. Yeah, glad to have you on here. I think there's going to be a lot of things I want to ask about. And so we'll just jump right into it. And to start with, can you just give a quick overview of what Next Gen Chef is? So uh, Next Gen Chef is a platform for aspiring food businesses. And our goal is really to support these businesses, figure out how they can make their food products more affordable for themselves and as a business, and ultimately make them more affordable for the end consumer. So what we've created is a platform where food businesses can come in, showcase their food, get feedback, um, sandbox ideas, work as guest guest chefs, as well as uh, do a whole bunch of talks, et cetera, giving them access to different kinds of feedback to help them with the growth of their company. Part of that program is also access to mentorship. The idea is that we offer this membership. This membership gives them access to do experiential events, giving them feedback, showcasing their product, getting feedback on the product, getting feedback on their business, the idea, how scalable it is, all while giving them access to different mentors. And depending on the level of membership that they buy, they get a different number of experiences as well as a different level of access to members. So at the entry level, it's a light membership. Maybe you do one or two events, maybe you showcase, maybe you have one talk. Not only are you getting access to these people and getting their immediate feedback, you're also getting marketing and brand awareness because of all the promotion that we do and the partnerships that we do on their behalf. Um, And then based on the level of membership, you you may get access to local uh, mentors or global mentors. And it depends on what your needs are and what the stage of your business is. Right. And we're definitely going to dig deeper into each of these little things about the business. But where did this idea come from? When was the inception for this idea? So I actually started this. This was in the first iteration. It was really Global Arts for Humanity. And it was a project I was working on when I was in Mexico City, when I wanted to really be part of the community, not just somebody visiting there, doing tourism, enjoying tourism and having lunch and meeting friends, but really get to know the community and participate in it. 
And I started a project there. I started to work with the CMR group who has a foundation called Fundacion CMR. And they invited me to come and see what they were doing. They were working with an NGO called Nutra, where Nutra basically provides the seeds and the education around growing organic fruits and vegetables so that they can eat healthfully and then hopefully have enough leftover to sell it to the community to make money so they can be self-sustaining. So I went out there with my camera because I don't leave home without it. (laughs) And I don't actually mean my iPhone. I mean like a real camera, like an SLR, you know? (laughs) Like like you're an actual photographer on the side I saw as a passion of yours as well. Exactly. So. I go out there and I start taking these pictures just to let you know, it took us three different cars to get there. We started off in like a really cute sporty car. And as we got deeper and deeper into the outskirts of Mexico, we moved into pickup trucks and other things (laughs) to get up those mountains and those hills. Yeah. (laughs) And we all switched from our heels to our hiking boots and... (laughs) Got more real, yeah. (laughs) Exactly. And when we arrived... These, you know, the lovely families there had actually made lunch for me. They were expecting me. They were looking forward to meeting me. And I sat down and they made me corn tortillas and everything that they made me for lunch came from their garden. And everybody in the family was participating, whether it was cleaning the house, cooking, going to school, whatever. Um, And so in having some conversation and learning about what they were doing and this program with Nutra and finding out about these families, I started taking pictures of them and they had never, the little girls, they had no idea that they were on the other end of that. I would show (laughs) them the back of the camera and they were in awe. They're like, whoa. And so finally, when the little girl kind of got into it, she started hamming it up. But at the beginning, she was very shy and (laughs) see her come out in this whole experience. And so I took these really cool pictures and I came up with this idea and I said, the food is great. Um, and I'd love to see how I could have an impact. And what I did was I talked to the foundation and Nutra and I was like, why don't we do a recipe contest? Why don't we have all these different people, you know, share their recipes? And I know a great chef. His name is Michael Cauldron. He runs, he owns Husets, which is in La Roma, which is in Mexico City. Okay. And he used to run and opened a lot of the restaurants for Jean-Georges in New York. So we connected. He and I connected immediately when I had first gone to his restaurant. Frankly, he spoke English and my Spanish was terrible. So, <laughs> you know, great icebreaker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, food can do that for you. And the language barrier, you know, speaking English was such a, I was elated, right? Yeah. But we connected immediately. So I came back and I told him this idea. And he was like, sure, I'd love to do it. And, you know, we could give a portion back to the families. And I was like, but wait, I have a better idea. We can do that. But then we can get bags made and I'll take pictures and I'll paint them and we'll put them on the on these reusable bags and include the recipe. And then the families can sell these bags for additional revenue. So Fundacion CMR love the idea. They're like, okay, we're going to do that. We're going to print them and then we'll sell them to them for very little money and then they can use it to make more revenue as well as get the message out and share the recipe and make more money. So this idea started back then and I don't want to go into, you know, bore you with all the details, but it, it oh, was I love a really the, I love fun the project. I love um, the details. I'll ask more though, because I'm curious, have you always been entrepreneurial to even think of, let's have them start this? Because not um, everyone would think that. Well, I'll tell you, I grew up in a very entrepreneurial family, starting back with my grandfather, 
who started a business locating lost heirs and dormant shareholders. And my mother, who was first a furniture rep and then did her own open the same kind of business like my grandfather, locating lost heirs and dormant shareholders. My father, equally, also an entrepreneur. And <laughs> it was sort of the culture I was raised in. And for me, I'm not motivated by getting up and working from nine to five. And it's terrible to say, I'm motivated. Of course, I want to make money. But the paycheck doesn't get me up in the morning. I need the paycheck and having an impact and making a difference. I feel like I'm put on this world, not just for myself, but to do something better than that, to make a difference. And that's what gets me up. The idea that we could support other food businesses to make healthy food accessible to people around the world and make that a common thing and more normal so that when you go into Safeway, it's not just, you know, jiffy peanut butter, but there's a healthy option that people can afford and educate people so they know what choices they're making. That gets me up in the morning. And to know that I could have a piece of that as these businesses grow and to support them, that gets me up in the morning. I get to make money and I get to have an impact. That's and awesome. support the health and wellness of people for the future. Yeah. And it seems like now, especially, and I noticed it in the MBA program, there are a lot more people who are interested in entrepreneurship, but also like social entrepreneurship and trying to actually make a difference and make an impact through entrepreneurship. Because you know you can make an impact make a difference and also make money at the same time. It doesn't have to be separate things necessarily. And to that point, I know you, your business was set up as a B Corp. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Of course. We set it up as a B Corp because it's equally as important to me to have an impact as it is to make money. And my thought was down the road, one day we raise money or we sell or whatever it is, it was really important to make sure that that value system stays in place. And I didn't want that to get diluted, you know, over time with bringing new people in and hopefully getting money, whether it's angel or VCs, I wanted to make sure that our core values uh, and our integrity stayed intact. Yeah. And I realize people probably don't necessarily know what a B Corp is. Can you explain just a little bit? Yeah. A B Corp really, from my standpoint, is that it's as simple as saying that I need to have a benefit. And within my you know, my uh, description of my company, my description is that I want to create healthy food businesses and support them to make healthy food more accessible. So as a B Corp, it is my responsibility to do that as well as make money. So at the end of the year, I fail if I only do one of those two things. Right. So it's accountability on both sides, basically. Yes. And I mean, with the trip you had and the experience you had, how does that materialize into Next gen chef. So I know you, you kind of mentioned the trip, but with those first like few steps, what were they into making this become a reality? So what happened is we came back after living there for like a year and a half, and I really wanted to do this. And I wanted to see how it could work on a global level in a different environment and have an even larger impact. And so as a result, I ran a recipe contest here in Mill Valley in Marin and It was interesting and it worked and it's meaningful. But what I realized is that by doing that, I was calling out the hobbyists and I didn't feel like that was the impact I really wanted to have. It's not that I don't want to, I don't want to help this in general, but, or this, you know, this mission, right? It's not that you have to want to create a large, large company, but my impact is to start with the larger companies to be able to sandbox the issues and find out from policymakers and 
farmers and businesses and entrepreneurs, why is it so expensive? Why is it expensive for you to do? Why is it expensive for the end consumer? And hopefully support these new businesses to be able to have the opportunity to figure out what they can change and how they can make healthy and affordable food and not make it inaccessible. Right. So that was the nutshell. And that was what I wanted to do. So once I had that first event, I realized that and I realized, okay, I can't have this impact just working with hobbyists. It's much bigger than that. So I really want to create a movement um, around the world, around the country. So that was the inspiration for the future of Next Gen Chef, which allowed us to begin to do events where we bring in education, where we focus on our food businesses, as well as our experts, so that we get to understand what kind of information they need, what kind of resources they need, so that as we're building out this membership program, we can really create something that's meaningful all the way around to have the greatest impact both for the individuals as well as for the corporation, as well as for the end consumer. Yeah. And with starting this company, so obviously anyone has a business idea. A lot of times there are just so many different options for what the first steps can be and what they should work on, how what they offer. You mentioned doing events. Like what was your approach to those events? And so you thought you had this problem, you want to solve this, and you're going to put on events. Why events? And what was your approach to like what those were going to entail exactly? When we first started doing events, it was really to support these individuals, to bring people together, to introduce them to mentors. We did a couple of those. We made a couple partnerships and realized that what we needed to do was find our audience. And we found our audience by creating different partnerships. And by finding our audience, we brought them information, education, opportunities to connect, yeah. Which then allowed us to further develop these kinds of opportunities to bring together the foodpreneurs so that they can really showcase what they're doing in a meaningful way. And what we changed it because originally when we were doing the events, we're inviting people. But frankly, you know, it's really hard to fill a room. <laughs> yes. <laughs> definitely. So, and and when you want to find these people and you don't necessarily know them all, you gotta connect with other like-minded individuals or find partners where they already are, which is what we did. We partnered with collaborative kitchens. We partnered with co-working spaces, farmers markets, so that we can give our foodpreneurs and our new food businesses the best opportunity to to gain different perspectives, not just their parents and their friends, but a diverse background of people so that you can really see what works and what doesn't work. So it's really all about creating experiential opportunities. And that's how we're different than an incubator or an accelerator. We're not, we haven't created a program where you go and you have to uh, incorporate by this day and do your trademark by that day and fill out your (laughs) paperwork by this day. That's not what we're providing. This is very experiential, very, um, you know, grassroots. And it's really, it's for that person that really wants to go out there and is a little bit of a hustler. Yeah. Which you have to be. And I think that that's what being an entrepreneur is. And there's lots of different ways that people go about it. And these accelerators and the incubators are great. In fact, I run an accelerator. I'm a co-director of one in the East Bay. <laughs> um, and that's where I saw the need for this because this is very different than that. That gives people a definite structure and boundary to work within. This gives people an experience. 
Right. Um, Definitely different. Go from there, you know, and take it to the next step or vice versa. Yeah. Put them out there. And you mentioned the the accelerator incubator, like Founder Institute. Is that the one? I co-direct the East Bay. Can you tell me a little bit about your involvement there, like how that got started even? Sure. So Founder Institute's been around for a little while, but this past fall, I joined them as the co-director and I helped put together the one in the East Bay that focused on socially minded tech startups. Awesome. And it was great. I worked with Ben uh, Larson, who is into cannabis. He does a lot with cannabis startups. And Mark, who actually works at headquarters and has his own startup called IdeaQuest, I think. And together, the three of us ran this program in the East Bay with the Founder Institute program, which they really have put a lot of thought and research behind. And it's a great program. And I got a lot out of it, both as an entrepreneur who's had successes, as well as somebody that's putting together this experiential program to see what people need from these other founders. And I've learned a lot from the founders going through the program just to see what they're doing and where we can fill in the void. Now, we don't specifically deal with food tech startups there, but it's all inspirational for me. And it's all a platform to continue my growth and be able to give back uh, my experience and share with them. Yeah, it seems like a great way to learn and about different different businesses that then you can use that knowledge and just take that into next gen chef and how you apply it to those companies and and a big part of what you're you're mentioning here I imagine was the 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 help and the mentorship aspect of that and you, you talked about having partnerships with different like whether it be uh, co-working spaces or co-living spaces or food kitchens or whatever it may be how do you approach those partnerships and getting those people on board to kind of help out you know for example I reached out to the farmer's markets. Actually, okay. I reached out to the farmer's markets when I was planning our original festival in the fall to see if they wanted to get involved. And while they didn't get involved, they kept us on their radar and really liked what we were doing. And they circled back with me to see if we'd be interested in, in having our food businesses participate in their chef's corner. So... Um, <laughs> I go out there, I really put myself out there to, to meet with people that are like-minded and support this mission and want to support entrepreneurs and create local ecosystems. And by doing this, you quickly find who's on board and who's a fit. And if you think about the mission and you think about the values of a co-working space, it's to create community, provide education, and to create a safe place for these people to connect and network which is exactly what we're doing. The only difference is we're bringing food to the party. <laughs> which everyone We're loves. bringing food to the party and we're providing content. So they've got the people. We've got the content. It's a marriage made in heaven. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. And, and they bring us the people, we bring in new people, and we bring in great content. And it really works as a good partnership. Last night we had an event with where we partnered with Startup Basecamp as well as Future Food Institute and a couple other people. And it was a great event. And what really worked well was that we all participated in bringing in the speakers. We all participated in promoting it. And at the end of the day, we had a full house. We had a great panel. And today when I woke up, you know, I got emails saying how meaningful the talk was to them, people that wanted to connect, more food businesses that want to talk to me, and and people even asking for me to make connections for them in the food tech world. So 
it really is the right place for us to be in all senses of it. Yeah. And how many events are you doing like every month or is it like a weekly thing? Is it whenever it just happens to be, you can get this thing together or how, how do you approach that? So we have food businesses and we have mentors. One of the things that's really, one of the things that's really important to me is to make sure that our mentors are very approachable for our food businesses. People have a lot of anxiety around people with experience or that have a name, right? <laughs> yep. You know definitely. what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Oh, for so, sure. We really want to make it approachable. Part of that is having these Facebook live events, is bringing the people to the food businesses so that they have access in an easy way that's not intimidating, where they can ask questions. And by doing this, we feel like we're creating a really strong community. So our goal is to have our mentors, when, when available, when it's appropriate, at least quarterly to do an event. Uh, whether Facebook or in person, which then allows us to focus on other people, bringing in other resources and not other experts. But because we have such a robust group of really great mentors that have been hand-picked, I mean, they were chosen for our food businesses because they have such a breadth of knowledge right. and experience. There was no, that, that was not a mistake. None of those people were a mistake. They were all very intentionally chosen. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so we really try to create a balanced schedule so that maybe once quarterly we do an intro to trademarking and once quarterly we do something about branding, the basics, so that as we get new food businesses in, they can always access these entry-level courses. And then we do member-only events where it's just really to expand the mind, the thinking, whether it's around communication, whether it's around taste, whether it's around meditation, to really bring together the food providers and the mentors so that they can connect in an elevated, intimate setting, share ideas, get to know each other, and maybe see how and if they can work together. Yeah. And you've done a lot, it seems like already. And how long has this been going on for? How long has Next Gen Chef been around? So our festival was last September okay. 23rd in Mill Valley. And then we switched to Next Gen Chef in October. And so we've really been ramping up since then. That's awesome. And this and the program that you said it has different levels, um, how long has that been going on for? We will be launching that in May. Right awesome. now, we are really validating it because we don't want to launch it before we know what's meaningful to our members. Yeah. Um, so we're really building that out to figure out what they want, what they need, what works, what doesn't work before we launch it. Yeah. And can you tell me a little bit more about that process for getting feedback? Because feedback is so important, especially, you know, people think of a business idea, they want to just build something and then launch it, but it's not that simple. You need to get feedback along the way so you don't waste your time and energy. But how are you getting feedback from the people? Is it a formal process? Like, I'm curious about that. So after every event, we have different surveys. We have surveys for the attendees. We have surveys for the foodpreneurs. We have surveys for the hosts and the guests. Awesome. So this way we can get feedback and it's a targeted survey and it's it's tailored accordingly so that we're asking different people different questions so that we understand the impact we're having, the value we're having, what they liked and what we need to change. And that is obviously incredibly important and then it allows you to adjust moving forward and figure out those those needs. But and with this, you know, only being a few months old, really, like what have been the biggest challenges 
so far and getting this off the ground? The biggest challenge is that, well, as a startup and as an entrepreneur, you know, it's all a bit of a hustle, right? And yeah. it's like, how much stuff can you get done? And the biggest challenge is finding the right people to surround yourself with that have the skills that you don't necessarily have to be able to take you to the next level. Yeah. And finding those right people. Because you don't want to just take anyone and everyone on board. You want to find the right people and you want to have a lean team because you're not looking to have 20 people right now. (laughs) This is just a small team that can help us get to the next level so that we can go, whether it's do angel funding or whatever, or raise, you know, BC. But I think that the greatest challenge and also I think creating operational structure among this when you are such a small startup, because there is so much so many hands in the bucket, if you will. (laughs) We're all trying to get everything done and there's just not enough time in the day and really figuring out what role you play, but also picking up and not stepping on toes, but making sure that everything's getting done, if that makes any sort of sense. Oh, it does. And for Next Gen Chef, I'm curious on how are you organizing that? Like, what do you use? I love details and love to give people the tactics and strategies and also the details on how people do this. So how are you organizing the team and everyone involved? We have a weekly stand-up meeting, okay. and then I have a call with each person on the team. We use Asana, and we use Slack, okay. and we try to CC each other so that there is a little bit of redundancy in case somebody cannot get back to somebody so quickly, so that this way we can always be sure to have a, you know, we can respond in a short amount of time. Yeah. And who are some of those members of the, the team in terms of just like what kind of positions do you have and how big is the team now? Because I think people would definitely be curious as to if they're starting their own company, how many people do I need in the team? Who do I need to get involved? And I'm curious as to your kind of team right now. So our team right now, we have an event director. Her name is Michelle Gleaton. She worked actually doing stuff in the White House, et cetera. She's got a really robust background in That's event amazing. planning and coordination, doing logistics. And she's doing a lot of that for us. Okay. We have uh, Melissa Bolin, who does a lot of our marketing and branding. We have Megan who Dilly, who does a lot of our program development. We have somebody that's been working on the website for us. Her name is Carol Ehrlich. She's made it possible for us to have a, an, an online presence, really, from the logo to the website. Which, you know, when you are a startup, I know people, you know, you can just put anything up, but it really is important. Oh, that definitely. You have the right, you know, you have to, you put your best foot forward and people can see exactly what you are, who you are and what you're trying to convey. Right. You want the right and image think, right away. Exactly. So with her and Melissa working together, we were really able to put something together that was meaningful. And I think when people see it, they understand who we are and immediately are interested in chatting with us and learning more. So from my standpoint, that was a big win. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely on the branding side. I know for my my own stuff, like getting someone to actually make the logo and help with some of that, it's an investment, but it pays off when you can leverage that, especially as you promote everything and people find you and definitely you're more legit and everything. It's it's definitely important. You know, we have Laura Sherling. Laura Sherling is our resident of nutrition dietitian nutritionist dietitian and funny story on how i met her yes our attorney who i guess is our first investor since he came on and they deferred payment and that was like my really my big first win i guess when i saw okay this is a viable uh business we got here right (laughs) and 
in my first conversation with him, as I'm telling him about that, he's like, you got to talk to my wife. She's a nutritionist. She's going to love this. So I guess within the next few days, I spoke to Laura, his wife, and she was one of the first people that came on board. That is awesome. And for me, it was really important because we're trying to say we support healthy, affordable food. And I wanted to make sure that somebody on our team had that background and kept us honest about that and on point and, you know, did not let us waver, but equally, you know, was really thoughtful about it and came from a background of research and nutrition. Yeah. Incredibly important for your business, especially (laughs) just to have that credibility. Yeah. That credibility factor. And obviously there's like going to your website and looking at people can see everyone involved in the team. And there's a lot of there's a lot of great mentors in, in everyone. Are they buying in because of the mission, This how you're selling the mission that is behind the company? Uh, well, I think people, for a couple of people, everybody seems to love the mission. Yeah. They do. They get behind the mission. And if I can tell you, you know, we work with foodpreneurs and they're getting a lot out of the experience Yeah, and they love it. It's helping them get out there. It's helping them to get feedback. It's helping them to tweak recipes. It's helping them to tweak their pitch. It's helping them to get more gigs if they're doing catering or talk to different people about distribution or even things that they can put in their products to make sure that they have the shelf life that they need, but that they're not putting in the wrong things to make that possible. So they're not compromising the integrity of the the product. Yeah. And one of the things I'm curious about too with the company, so obviously you did like the events and uh, some partnerships as well to bring people in. I was just curious if there's any other ways you're acquiring you know, new new customers essentially to, to join the, the platform. Um, so we do a lot. Uh, we do some social media, okay. Facebook, Instagram. Yep. Uh, we've gotten a little bit of press. We are just in the Fig Chronicles, which is a paper that Sandra Bernstein, one of our advisors, uh, puts out quarterly. She owns Girl and the Fig in Sonoma. She is just one of the more wonderful people I know. She's been supportive <laughs> from the day I said hello, even when she wasn't sure what I was doing, but she knew that there was something about it that was right. <laughs> yep. It was probably not me not communicating it perfectly, but she was still supportive on board and ready to help wherever she could and make relationships and connections and intros. And She's a great resource for our mentors because of her experience, not only having restaurants, but wine labels, food truck, etc., and even a podcast, which I think you probably heard me on. Yeah. The bike goes on. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, she's a great lady and she's been really supportive and helpful. And as a result, not only was I on her podcast, but we had an article in her most recent Fig Chronicles. So we've done stuff like that. I was also on Jay Rook's podcast, who is also one of our mentors and in the Sonoma area. And he's equally been really helpful about putting us in contact with potential partners and food businesses, because he also works in that environment around startups. So I think for me, it's making the relationships with the partners. It's taking the time to talk to the mentors to see what's meaningful to them, because it has to provide meaning to them as well, and see how I could reciprocate and equally be open to their recommendations and their intros. Right. And with this base in the the Bay Area, I mean, how much have you gone outside of that to kind of get the word out? Or is it just like you're starting here with the Bay, figure things out, and then you'll expand beyond that? Well, right now we're starting here with the Bay, but as we plan for our summit, 
in the spring, uh, we will be doing a viewing party from Frankfurt. Our event director is out there. She's partnering with some other um, startup companies to be able to put together the viewing party so that we can get other food businesses, other potential mentors to see what we're doing, to try and get the the word out there across the pond, get other feedback, see what's happening in other countries and be able to share this information across the board. Yeah, I think it's definitely going to grow, obviously. And with the summit you mentioned, I want to know a little bit more about what that exactly is going to entail and what you're kind of hoping for from that. The goal of the summit is to bring together people in the food business, like I said, either policymakers, farmers, etc., to talk about the challenges for the businesses and why it's so expensive to create healthy food and make it accessible. So that as these, as everybody's coming together, maybe we can find workarounds. Maybe we can change policy. Maybe we can just provide insights so the food businesses can make better decisions and have more options. Uh, So it really is that it's also an opportunity for new food businesses to pitch. We put together a panel of judges, uh, some that are chefs, some that are business people, some that are nutritious, so that they can really get the feedback in a holistic way. It's not just about, is this a fundable business? It's looking at it from different perspectives. And I think for you know, many times when you have these pitch events, you're pitching the VCs or it's about getting money. This is more mission driven yep. and to support those folks on that path. Right. And you did an event you said last fall, but this is different than that one though, in this capacity. Like it's it- this one's gonna be different. It's gonna be a bit more structured. There's gonna be a couple of key panel key talks. I won't reveal the names until they're confirmed <laughs> because I don't want to have to change that. Yeah, no worries. But I will tell you that they're really great speakers. Somebody from the Food Network, potentially. Oh, exciting. Who, yeah, we have nutritionists. We have chefs that, you know, quite famous chefs. We have VCs. It's really going to be a complete panel of people that can really help these foodpreneurs and the industry make a change in the way that we look at how we create food businesses and not just think about it. Everyone's entitled to eat healthy and should have it in an accessible way. And right now that's not the case. And I want to make it the norm. Right. And with that event as well, I'm just curious from a like logistics standpoint. So we're recording this in March of, of 2019. That's going to be in May. How long have you kind of been planning that event already? Curious. Well, we've just been planning it since the new year, okay. which is not that long. And so we're just toying right now with a couple different venues. So once we decide on the venue, we'll confirm the date, but we're hoping for, you know, late spring, early summer. Awesome. Yeah, I have to ask because I know Maria Burke, who was on the podcast in episode 40, she does a different event planning. And she said some of those can be, you know, six to eight months in advance, trying to get the Venue even more potentially just with booking a venue and you know figuring out how many people are going to be showing up and everything and it can be a lot to figure out but it seems like it worth is. it. <laughs> and with Next Gen Chef moving forward, you know what are some of those next steps? Obviously, we have the, the event coming up in May. What are some other next steps you kind of envision for Next Gen Chef? The next steps for Next Gen Chef are to make more partnerships, onboard new foodpreneurs, more foodpreneurs. And hopefully, once we do our first raise of money, uh, build the online platform, which will be the way that foodpreneurs will be able to schedule their own events, connect with other mentors, have chats, share information, and really have an online community. 
That's awesome. It's, it, there's a lot to it. It's going to be, it's going to be something special. I imagine just with all, what the progress you've already made with it and the mission and vision behind it and the connections you have as well. It's definitely exciting. And one thing I want to dig into a little bit too is with aspiring food entrepreneurs, you know, if they want to start a business, they maybe have some idea here. What are some of the first steps you think they should be taking? Well, it depends if they're, you know, is this a, is it a consumer product? Is it a restaurant? I mean, I think research and validation is never, is never a waste of time. (laughs) Yep. And I think people like to skip that process many times. And I think that it's, it's really important to include that. So I think validating the idea before you go forth is really important. I think understanding what you're creating and you know, the legalities of it and trademarking and all those kinds of things are super important. It's not just like IP. If you do a recipe and you don't trademark it, it you know, that's a whole, that's your business. That's a whole thing. Yeah. So I think that that's really important. I think understanding the rules and regulations and, and that you can't just sort of wake up one day and start selling this from your, you know, backyard. Yeah. Which so many people think, oh, I make great chutney. I'm going to start selling this. Well, doesn't just work that way. (laughs) That's why we try to do these intro classes quarterly. So you're looking at even having like a restaurant type of business or you're just selling a product, I guess it could be online e-commerce. Are those kind of just the main two food businesses you have? No, we also do, there's food tech. Okay. There's people that are trying to educate folks about nutrition and different ways to do that. And that supports it too, right? Understanding there's one woman that has an educational food tech startup and start educating people on making the right choices and how to choose locally sourced foods on this app to make, you know, a grocery list. Or I'm not sure she hasn't quite finished it, but it's that idea. Yeah, okay. So our goal is, you know, it includes all of those, all of the above. Innovation is part of it, definitely. Love it. And with the resources, obviously, you're going to have a plenty of resources for the platform, especially once once everything's built out more. And I'm curious if there are any other, though, like books, podcasts, audiobooks, conferences that, you know, food entrepreneurs should also attend besides the, clearly the event coming up for you guys in, in May. <laughs> well, it's interesting. There's always a lot of events coming up. And whether it's the Food Bites event coming up in, a, I think it's in a week or two, or any of these co-working spaces or organizations around food and agriculture. There's so many in every different area, right? I could probably only speak to this area. Of course, we did just have Expo West in Anaheim, which is one of the big food events. Before that, we had the fancy food show and the mercantile here. And then there's chips and seeds in Europe in May. Uh, But there's a lot of different ones. And I think there's a lot of information and a lot of value to be had by going to these even in just meeting like-minded individuals, sharing resources, uh, gaining a little insight on people's uh, journeys. So I think there's a lot of information. Even if you go to just a meetup, a food tech meetup, you'd be surprised. Yeah. You never know who you'll meet and learn from. And I'll tell you, the book that I'm reading right now is called The Five Keys to Mindful Communication. And it's about, I really like it. It's not just for personal use. It's because communication is across the board. It's personal, it's professional, it's a mixture of personal and professional. And I think one of the greatest things that I've learned is to figure out how do I normally respond and how can I change that to work in my favor and be more constructive? Because there's we get frustrated sometimes, and especially as an entrepreneur, you want to get things done immediately. Of course, all the time. <laughs> so, 
this book has been, I really enjoyed it. I'm not done with it. I'm still reading it. But it's called The Five Keys to Mindful Communication by Susan Gillis Chapman. Were there any other books besides that one that's kind of been helpful for you along your kind of entrepreneurial path here? A long time ago, I read The Game, but I was in a very different world. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) that was interesting. But there's a bunch of different podcasts that I really like, whether it's Tim Ferriss or, you know, there's even one called, I think, Nathan Lotka. Have you heard of that one? I don't think so, actually. Um, I think it's Nathan Lotka. I have to, I'm not sure. I haven't listened to that one in a while. But I believe that was one that I really quite like. There's a bunch out there. And I feel like you got to find the one that you connect with and that speaks to you because there's so many, whether it's This Week in Startups or Product Hunt Radio or How to Build a Rocket Ship, right? (laughs) I mean, I happen to like Tim Ferriss. Oh, he's great. Oh, I love Tim Ferriss. He's great. He has so many different guests too. I mean, it's an eclectic mix of so many different people. And that's definitely one of my favorites. I think one that people always mention as well is how I built this. Um, that seems to be a pretty popular one. And that does have some pretty amazing guests as well. But yeah, to your point, just like finding the ones that you resonate with and that you take things from. And some are more tactical and some are more just storytelling. It just depends right. on what you kind of feel like. But yeah, you kind of have different different sides with that. And and then as you're, as you're building this company and managing everything, how do you manage your energy, your time day to day? And how do you like de-stress every day? Well, I've never had more energy and been more motivated in my life. Love it. (laughs) And then there is time where I'm like, oh my God, I just need a vacation. And when I say vacation, I just mean like, I want to work from bed for the day. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That happens. My dog to the beach. (laughs) Yep. Somehow there's an umbilical cord attached to me and my phone. Yep. So that I can always respond because the one thing about being a founder is nobody's more motivated than you. And exactly. So and I want and I'm excited about this mission. I'm excited about getting this off the ground and I'm excited about the impact we're gonna have. So I wanna respond. I wanna get you know, I wanna keep moving forward and I don't wanna lose momentum and so I do try hard to make sure that I have that time for myself, whether it's going to the beach with the dog or take a yoga class, whatever it is, or even going out for a nice meal because I do love food. Yeah, I imagine. Yeah, this is the industry <laughs> you're in. <laughs> of course. Those are my things. Yeah, everyone's different. And especially though, like you said, if you're excited about your idea, you just want to work on it. So it doesn't seem like it's a drag. It's just like, it's exciting. Like you want to do more and more. And so it can be hard to kind of pull away from that. So everyone has their own thing for figuring out what that may be though to unwind. If you have those more stressful days, like you mentioned, you can work from home, whatever it may be, but you figure that out as well yourself. And one of the last things I wanted to ask about, was there any other kind of advice for aspiring food entrepreneurs and business owners, because obviously you've learned a lot through your journey and through building Next Gen Chef. And I just wonder if there's anything else you want to mention to them. I would say one of the best lessons that I learned is that you don't know how to, you can't do everything yourself, that you are not great at everything. Find people that are great at what you don't like to do, what you're not great at, and surround yourself with them. It's a lot easier and it's a lot more fun to do it together. Yes, I'll definitely vouch vouch for that. It's way more fun to do it together with other people and have a support system in place. And and Justine, where can people go to learn more about you, more about what you're doing, everything coming up? So you can follow us at uh, on at Next Gen Chef, N-E-X-T-G-E-N-C-H-E-F 
on Instagram, on Facebook. Our website is also nextgenchef.com. And I will respond. I promise I always do. <laughs> I keep in all the time and make sure that if anybody's written me a note that I respond personally. So awesome. uh, I look forward to hearing from anybody and everyone who is listening to this podcast and has an interest in chatting further. Awesome. And I will definitely link all of that up in the show notes, which will be at jessicogrind.com slash podcast. And everyone should check out what Justine is doing. This is only going to grow more and more. And it's such an important thing you're doing. And uh, I was excited to talk today to talk more about it because I think people need to hear about it and also you know, get the feel for what it's like to start a company and go through this and have this huge mission and everything and wish you nothing but success moving forward. And thank you so much for being on the show today, Justine. Justin, thank you so much for having me. And I think what your your podcast is amazing. And I look forward to listening to many more of the people you you bring on to interview. Awesome. Thank you so I much. I wish you the best of luck with everything that you do as well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. As always, the show notes are over at justgogrind.com slash podcast. And you can support the show over at patreon.com slash justgogrind. And please, please leave a rating and review over on iTunes. It does help more people find the show. Hope you enjoy this episode. Have a great day.